0: It's the start of season two. Oh my god, it's the start of season two! Right, amazing. Thank you all so much for being here. Um, while I'm blabbing away, if you want to write in the chat box where you're watching from uh, in the world, then then I think that'll be really wicked to sort of see everyone and and where you're all from. So uh, please uh, drop a note in the chat box and say where you are. Uh, Today I'm super excited uh, to welcome two blooming wonderful human beings uh, to open up season two. Uh, We've got Andy Lambert, who's the director of Content Cal, and uh, Martin Sibley, founder of Purple Goat, and about 400 million other things. Uh, Both Andy and Martin are previous marketing meetup speakers. Uh, Andy has spoken in London. Martin in Cambridge uh, so basically you know that right here today you are getting two pros um to speak briefly about each uh Andy's been part of the team at Contentcal uh, the content and content creation and publishing tool since 2016 uh over this time Andy's seen the company grow from 0 to about 40,000 customers which is frankly ridiculous um more importantly though than the achievement of 40,000 customers is how they've achieved it. Andy from the beginning has pursued a long-term strategy supporting communities, uh, creating incredible content, and more importantly, just being an all-round really great chap. Uh, I feel lucky to surround myself with so many lovely people with a marketing meetup uh, on a regular, regular basis And I firmly count Andy as uh, one of these people. On a personal level, the man gives uh, top quality hugs and uh, it's just a joy to be around. (laughs) And then there's Martin. Uh, Martin is quite simply one of the most amazing humans I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. Uh, You need to look no further than his email signature to see he's a busy man too. Martin is the co-founder and CEO of Purple Goat, world changer, as in uh, just by being himself. Uh, inclusion captain at uh, Disability Horizons, author of Everything is Possible, uh, a presenter, a speaker, and an advisor to various government agencies, businesses, and charities. I mean, that's that's a pretty impressive CE. More, impress- more importantly than this, uh, Martin, for me, encapsulates a human being whose uh, positivity, spirit, and uh, good humor lights up every room he enters. He's just an all-round legend. Um, In season one, I started each session laying out why each session was relevant right now, specifically in the COVID context. For this one, however, it's always been important. As marketers, it's our job to cut through, to solve a customer problem and have our message heard. Getting the right message to the right audience is therefore crucial. In this session, we'll investigate just that. It's as simple as that um this session will run with a presentation and then we'll have q a afterwards um, although if you do have your questions um, whack them in the q a right now or throughout the course of the session because we'll be addressing them at the end and uh we'll be just taking them from the top so like literally uh just get them in and, and then we'll we'll be answering any questions as we go as ever i just encourage you to stay positively lovely with your questions um finally i just want to thank the sponsors um we started season 1 in a position where we were like let's reinvent the marketing meetup in such a way where we can make sure that people get on board with season 2 we start with incredible sense of momentum and that momentum is enabled through the sponsors getting behind us so it's truly so important that we just take the time to sort of appreciate them i'm not going to go into a huge amount of depth here because uh, I've, I've spent some time in, in the pre-email and I will do in the follow-up email sort of highlighting what these folks do. Um, but I do want to say a big thanks to Pitch, Content Cal Fiverr, Redgate, Cambridge Martin College, Leadu Brand, Further, Third Light and Human. My only ask is thank them for, help, for helping us out. Uh, they're truly appreciated. Um you may have heard my dog making a big stretch down there as well uh, while that was going on. <laughs> he sat at my feet, so uh, sorry if there's any snoring. So um with all that said, uh Andy, Martin, it's uh, it's over to you, chaps.
1: Thank you very much, Joe. And uh yeah, thank you everyone for taking a bit of time this morning. Massively appreciated. So um I'm gonna go ahead and just start sharing and we'll dive right in because we're going to keep this pretty fast paced as it's half past eight in the morning in the UK. So, uh, we're going to dive right in and this presentation is in two parts as Joe already mentioned. So the first part is the more kind of nerdy tactical content strategy orientated thing. So I'm going to take you through the step-by-step process of achieving what we term here at Content Cal is of content driven growth. That's, that's something that we've been advocates of since, uh, since the outset. And the second part of the presentation, as you already mentioned, I'm going to hand over to Martin, and he's definitely going to be doing a more interesting part of the presentation. I only met Martin maybe a couple of weeks ago, and I'm very, very pleased I did, because one, he's going to inspire you, and two, he's going to open your mind to a, a new audience that you potentially have not considered before. So... With that said, let's kind of start with this. Now, Joe's already mentioned, um, so I'm very, very pleased and very proud, if, if I'm honest, because over the last three years, we launched ContentCal at the beginning of 2017. It's now used by 40,000 businesses in 140 countries. So that's so that sounds impressive. Um, obviously, there's still a long way to go, but really that's been achieved by something called content-driven growth, essentially an organic first Content driven strategy that I'm going to take you through the processes of today. Now, with that out the way, I'm going to show you a stat I'm distinctly less proud of. So, there is a free trial in Content Cal, and 71% of people that sign up to Content Cal never create any content. So, this stat still makes me cry. And the reason for this is well, I guess there's three reasons for it, but you know, I'm going to show you a, a screenshot of Content Cal. Now, um, it's a blank canvas. For some people, this is the perfect place to paint their content strategy, to organise all of their campaigns across multiple channels, and have complete transparency and organisation related to it. But for 71% of those people that sign up, however, it's just overwhelmed. This is like a a kind of canvas of limitless possibility, and that is a, that is a challenge that we all face as marketers. You know, in the kind of preamble to this we were talking about how to get you know, the you, the right content to the right people at the right time and in that it might sound really simple but in that there is limitless possibilities so quite frankly we see people getting overwhelmed and think actually there's, there's just so much to consider here people just don't know where to start so essentially inertia becomes a de facto way of approaching it and really when we've Dived into why these 71% of people never create any content. It really goes down to three core barriers. And that's I don't have any time to do it. I don't have enough ideas. I don't know what to do. And I'm worried about what I what I would post, you know, and what should I post? How will people perceive me? And that's that's certainly had a bit of a magnifying glass over it over the last three months as well, the whole kind of fear and reputational risk associated with content. So with that what we're going to try and do in this session over the next 15 minutes is break down those three barriers and ultimately get you to a point where whether you use content cal or not or just plan your strategy on something else doesn't matter ultimately getting to a point where you've got all of the ideas the strategies the targeting all of the things that you need to create that perfect strategy now to frame this session we're going to go through this six step strategy that essentially has governed how we've marketed our business and how we you know talk to others and you know our customers about suggesting ways for them to market their business so we've created a six-step content strategy essentially many people have different flavors of we just put it in a wheel and shoehorned everything to begin with c Um, but ultimately so it starts with customer and then we go into context so essentially what are those customers interested in going into the creativity element How do we create messages based on the customer research and what they're interested in? How do we then get a broader team involved in the collaboration stage? Channels, where do we publish this? Not just about social, this is about email, this is about webinars, this is about blogs, this is about YouTube, whatever. So thinking about our channels from a broader perspective. And then of course, the calculation, the understanding of the performance off the back of it. Uh, And if anyone's seen me talk before, they'll know that I love tools and i particularly love tools that we can all use for free today because ultimately over the next 15 minutes if you can't implement the stuff if you deem it appropriate that is if you can't implement the stuff that i talk about immediately then i have failed so i'm going to give you the strategies and the tools to do it so if you think that this is this works for you then you'll be able to run away with this straight away without incurring any additional cost which is good too so let's start with customer. And in this scenario, um, we're going to talk about a fictitious coffee shop scenario where we have no following already. We have, we have nothing, essentially. And we need to create a market from scratch. So that's the, the story we're going to take. And we're going to start with step one of our customer research. And this is where we use the first of these three tools. We use Uber Suggest here. Now, two other tools are really good for this, like SEMrush uh, and Ahrefs as well. But ultimately, Uber suggests is free, loads of value in that. Anyway, so we're going to search coffee shop because essentially what we want to understand in our category is there good search intent. Because before we create any content, we need to make sure that there is a market there for it. So we can see, you know, there is large search volume, particularly in the UK for coffee shop. All good, right? But of course, that's not really going to tell us much other than the very high level. We need to take a, a deeper look into that. So here we're going to look at the keyword ideas, sticking with Uber suggest. So those keyword ideas build out on coffee shop and start to tell you the kind of things that people are searching around that. As you can see, lots of it is is very location specific. Coffee shop near me, near me, nearby, uh, London, Amsterdam, Covent Garden, etc. So what our first clue is here is that actually the location is just as important as the fact that this is a coffee shop. So that's already a first clue. Is to something to talk about in, in our content because location-specific content is going to be key to driving ranking and driving engagement here. So that's our first clue. But of course, you know, that gives us a few keyword ideas. We can already jot down that idea to say that location-specific content already, we're getting a clue is going to be important. But we want to take a bit of a deeper look. So we're going to go on to our second free tool, which is called keyword.io so keyword.io don't even need to create account on and essentially it does what it says on the tin so these keyword.io will generate you your what we term as long tail keywords so long tail keywords is typically a more natural search that you do on google so you wouldn't just search coffee shop you would search you know what's the best coffee shop or you know if you're searching around the term coffee because we want to go a bit broader of our content people aren't just searching the word coffee they're searching like best ways to do things or questions about coffee right so here there's a whole bunch of keywords that have been generated and what we can do within keyword.io, we can start to look at the trends that we're already seeing to emerge. So lots around kind of how to orientated content. So um, like recipes and also lots around uh, uh, bulletproof coffee, for example, which if you know what that is, uh, you'll know that it doesn't sound very pleasant. Um, lots of health and wellness type of orientated content as well like can i do this on this diet is it good while breastfeeding that kind of thing so there's lots of queries around health and wellness there's also lots of questions around uh, sustainability so questions around reuse of coffee cups so already now we're starting to generate four potential themes here we've got like a how-to theme we've got kind of locations uh we've got uh like sustainability and we've got health and wellness so within about five minutes of doing research already, we've got like four potential themes we can start to build out on. And as you'll see, as I go through this talk, you know, themes is so critical when it comes to building a content plan, understanding those different topics uh, is gonna be key to guiding success. Anyway, so let's take a quick sidestep. So sticking with step one and the customer thing, what we wanna do is kind of take a step back and take a broader look at our market. I'm going to come out of our uh, case study around this coffee shop for a scenario and uh, for this moment and talk about a scenario where we're using content cal so this is where i show you something else that is (laughs) i'm not that proud of to be honest but anyway so i'm going to show content cal look at our product description look at our competitors and essentially what we want to understand is doing competitor benchmarking how do we stack up against our competitors because we're already analyze how we're stacking up in the market what the search volumes are and the keywords so now we want to understand how we compare so first thing to look at is share of voice so share of voice us versus our biggest competitor you know our growth rates are good but yeah tiny tiny little share Um, so you either look at that feel slightly depressed or you look at it and go wow there's a lot to get here Um, so and depending on my mood of that day it can depend on which way i think about it but anyway, share a voice ultimately is the amount of times that you're mentioned in the broader market. So how many times you're mentioned on reviews, on social, across everywhere. So this gives you a real nice clear benchmarking picture to say, right, there's a lot of opportunity here, but there's also a lot of work we're going to do. Then we can look at share a voice reach. Oh, actually, just sidestep, so I, I haven't even told you what tool this is. This is called Awerio. Um So Awario, there is a 14 day free trial. Hammer that 14 day free trial. Uh, and you won't need to use it or pay for it. Just don't tell them I said that. But anyway, share a voice, reach. Um, so reach is the ultimate possibility of the broader audience you can, you can potentially reach. So uh, as an example, if um, one of your competitors' followers spoke about your competitor, reach encompasses all of the followers of that individual. So mentioned is factual, talks about how many times you're mentioned, whereas reach talks about possibility how big is that is that broader pool of opportunity so this is great for helping you understand like your audience that you're gaining over time how is that impacting your ability to influence so this is a really important benchmarking exercise that you may want to revisit i suggest you probably revisit once a quarter going deeper into it we can start to look at where those mentions and where that reach is coming from so this is key to channel strategy so you can start to look at is it blogs is it emails is it youtube is it reddit that your competitors are doing well on and you could take a you know a two potential looks on this you could either take a, a view where there's a lot of opportunity on on twitter because Hootsuite are killing it and we could just go after them or we could think about when competitors zig we should zag so you know we might want to take youtube or instagram as a channel for ourselves and then we've also got the most influential individuals which is key to to kind of gaining that reach and gaining that share of voice that we've just been talking about so a fantastic way to potentially build those relationships in so lots of research at the customer stage but here at this point what we've got is a great understanding of our broader market what our customers are potentially interested in some themes and where we stack up against our competitors so that goes on to step two which is context and this is the the biggest part of of this session it gets quicker after this section So context is about going deep into the interests of our customers. And this is where the fourth tool comes in called answerthepublic.com. We'll be sharing all of these tools after this as well. So you don't necessarily need to note them all down. Answerthepublic.com, fairly well known. Um, But ultimately, this is all of the searches that have happened on Google related to a search term. This is another way to, to generate all our themes and our topics, and you can start to see, you'll probably see some slightly random questions that I'm definitely not reading out, um, uh, but you'll see some that are related to, you know, the themes that we've already started generating, like how to sustainability, wellness. Um, and actually, you, what you see is some kind of random trends appearing, like lots of questions around like the best coffee machine to buy. So already, we're starting to think about our content from a much broader perspective. Whereas being a coffee shop, we might just think, oh, come in for our latest soy latte as our our content. I mean, what what should we talk about? We've got no followers. But ultimately now our mind is starting to be open to the fact that actually there is a huge amount of areas of interest for the people that are in our market that, that are coffee drinkers ultimately. And content marketing could also be called customer first marketing, right? Because essentially we're building messaging purely based off the interest of our ideal target market so so great to build out the themes here but even better we can just download this to excel when we've downloaded it to excel this is where the fifth tool comes in i'll mention content cal but you know ultimately you can do this on excel or trello or something as well so you don't have to use content cal Um, So what we've done is taken all of the ideas from um, answerthepublic.com and basically we've just put it in a little folder called content themes. And that's given us a whole year's worth of content inspiration. So whenever we're short of an idea, we can just go there. So uh, that kind of content themes folder just lives at the top of our planner there. So it's always, uh, you know, within a click. And that's a key thing about doing this research that research that you do needs to be integrated as a daily habit as to when you're implementing your strategy so the tool you're using for implementing your strategy needs to have reference points to all of your research because we see so often that people do good research and it sits on a google doc somewhere and never gets surfaced again so it just needs to become a daily habit whereby you do your research and you implement that research together cool so of course if you want to drive reach when you don't have following you're going to need to do hashtag research and use hashtags wisely Uh, i'm just going to show an instagram hashtag tool that i like called displaypurposes.com search the word coffee it's going to tell you the most relevant and popular hashtags related to that Um, hashtags are now actually just as a side note hashtags are now becoming a thing again on Facebook so that's worthwhile considering there's no hashtag tools that are really good for Facebook just yet because it's it's still quite new same for LinkedIn Uh, but for Twitter hashtag research I would use hashtagify.me so hashtag ify.me so both of those are going to give you great opportunities to make sure you're using the right hashtags don't just use hashtags related to your own business. I see so many people doing that. Use hashtags that are relevant to your target market. So when, when we've used those hashtags, we can just save them in Content Cal so that we don't actually have to go ahead and find them again. Further to my point of when you're doing your research, make sure you're implementing it. And also the category tags relate to the themes that we've just been speaking about, like you know health and wellness, sustainability, your how-tos, recipes. So all of that can now be started to be categorized and color-coded in our plan so we can make sure that one, we've got a good color-coded plan so we know the volume of content we've got planned across all channels. But secondly, most importantly, is that we can start to analyze the performance of this content related to that category tag and that is critical. So talking about good use of hashtags, of course, that folds in into your kind of national days and key days. So, you know, for example, if it's national password day, for example, you know that if this is relevant to your business, that hashtag is going to trend and will likely give you additional reach. So making sure in your calendar, you've got everything organized related to these national days. You can browse this calendar. You can export this calendar. As well, so that you can start to really be proactive to make sure if there is an opportunity upcoming, you know, next month, you're not going to miss it ultimately. So doing this plan at the outset will mean that content creation becomes so much easier as you go through it. So, quick sidestep here: um, Google Alerts. If no one uses Google Alerts today, I definitely recommend you do that. Um, you can find it just by you know googling Google Alerts. And essentially, I use this personally for Tracking competitor mentions and tracking mentions of our own brand, but also in this scenario, what we can do is track you know the most relevant and topical things related to the the business that we're operating. So in this scenario, the coffee shop. So that Google alert means that you don't have to you know think every day I've got to go out and research the latest news is just going to be sent to your inbox, so you can do that on a daily or, or weekly basis. Now a good example of this is this I set up this alert for this uh, coffee shop email came in latest article related to coffee, of course that search term's a bit broad, you probably want to be a bit more specific than that, but ultimately here what we can do is just take this article and if you can see where my mouse is in the top right, there's a little Content Cal extension. So for Chrome what you can do if you find an interesting article, press that button and that's just going to go take that article and save it to what we call this Content Hub. We built this Content Hub uh, towards the end of last year just purely as a repository for all of those things that you find when you're going across the web, you think oh, that's an interesting idea. You just want to pin it and save it somewhere. So same if you're you know familiar with using Pinterest, you kind of pin these things to your kind of ideas pinboard. And it's a real similar concept to that. So a great way to, to curate content. So that's the context piece. So now we've got a great understanding of what our customers are looking for in the market, using of the public for that, making sure we're using great use of hashtags, not just from doing good hashtag research on things like displaypubstys.com, but also using uh, days of the year to make sure that we're using, you know, tactical opportunities that, that are coming up. So now we go into creativity. Now this is a, a, a huge subject, which we can cover in its own right. So I'm going to give you three ways just to make that a bit easier. So we all know that video content is absolutely critical at the moment, and we know that typically social media platforms favor video content. So Lumen5 is a really good, simple tool for those that are not that familiar with uh, video content. So uh, Lumen5, great for you doing really simple creatives. They've got stock video library. You can upload your own video. Here's just a little video I'd uploaded before, and we can just put a little bit of, of narrative over it. Just a really nice way to create more video content, mix up the content in your social media feeds without too much, um, too much kind of overhead if you don't have the time to do it. And it's a, there's a free version of this too. But more importantly, though, going back to the content hub, this is a critical part for creativity. Jotting down all of your ideas as you develop them is incredible how much that collapses the time it takes to create content. And also when you're using these category tags, when you've got those defined themes, like how to's, health and wellness, sustainability, it makes, it kind of puts some guide rails for you. So, you know, we were talking about that blank calendar and the overwhelm of thinking, I don't know what to do. When you've now got these five themes that kind of orientates you to say, right, I'm now gonna create content across these five themes. Here's some ideas I've jotted in related to these themes. The barriers to creating content suddenly get a lot lower. The creative juices start flowing and then continuing on with these creative juices here we we're, we're looking at previous posts also within content hub so we can look at our top performing content uh, previously so we can start to look at things that we might want to reuse and repurpose repurposing is a key part of a good content strategy just as a, as a quick side note recently we we started to, to go through a process of updating our older blog content and it's had such incredible benefit for our search rankings and how the Google algorithm puts that in in its kind of search volume so we're starting to appear on page one since we started up retroactively updating uh, older pieces of content and older blog posts so then let's go on to collaboration that is a key part of this whole ideation process because the the key here and this is an opportunity that many people miss when it comes to content creation is that the best content is always created together so being able to take content from you know when you have an idea on your phone you're just saving it somewhere links that you might find an instant message chat that you've had with a colleague on slack or microsoft teams or something that you've had a conversation in email all of that needs to be pulled into one central location i mean you can do that with content cal but of course finding a process to do this is critical because essentially, this creates a funnel of ideas for your business. Because ultimately, what we want to do is have this single content hub of all these ideas streaming in from different parts of the business, different instant message chats, you know, people sending ideas on email. Ultimately, meaning that social media and content creation doesn't happen in a silo. So um, that's a critical part. Collaboration will create better content. So then we get to the channel part. So here now we've got our content plan, we've got our days planned out, we've got our content themes organized, we've got kind of key people we wanna mention in our content. All of our research is kind of now manifested into a plan. We then bring in all of those ideas we started developing in Content Hub, the links that we've we found using that Chrome extension idea shared by other members of the team. And ultimately now we can start creating our content, organizing it related to these, these themes and these topics that we've been talking about. And that then takes it into the the calculation stage where we can start to track you know once a month you know how has the content that we've produced impacted our analytics i'm showing you content cal analytics but please yeah don't just think content cal analytics is the only place for this because you'll need to supplement this with ga google analytics as well to make sure that it's having the net benefit in terms of increasing traffic to your site too or whatever your key objectives are but here we can understand how your audience have grown how your audience breakdown is shifting. So are you seeing better growth from LinkedIn versus Twitter, for example? How engagement is growing over that time. So this is a a great kind of indicators to the topics you're talking about are are of critical importance. Looking at the best time to post and also bringing in these different category tags so you can start to understand the types of content that is performing the best. So we should do more from how-to's, more from um sustainability or health and wellness so we can really start to orientate our content strategy in a way that's driving results so that kind of puts it all together into a six-step content strategy which of course we've always always known that it's always about having great relevancy that's driven through fantastic research so doing the kind of customer and context sides of that six-step content strategy and then making sure it becomes a daily habit through a and that achieves consistency by having a good process for creativity and how you both you and a broader team share ideas. How you can maximise this across channels and start to track your performance across multiple channels, not just social, and then how you can analyse all of that at a content theme level so that you can start to orientate your strategy and make tweaks as appropriate. So that is that is me done. Um, so here's how you can get in touch here. Feel free to, to either drop me an email, or mention us across on, on social here, here's our Twitter handles, or if you fancy giving ContentCal a try, then you're more than welcome to, to try the free trial. But at, at this stage, what I'm gonna do, uh, I'm gonna hand over to Martin, because as I promised, you know that's the nerdy tactical bit to, to create the strategy. Now it's time to, to be inspired by by an individual that, that Joe and I, I know, are, are very pleased that we've both met. So. Uh, Martin, over to you, my man.
2: Brilliant, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you both for the the kind words and for the opportunity to get involved. And I can see the comments everyone watching it is is loving it. And uh, I, I was hooked in there as well, Andy. So many amazing bits of advice. So uh, yeah, really cool to to get crack in here. I'm just going to share my screen. I've got two different uh, slide decks, but we're gonna we're gonna whistle through. Um, quite quickly through both um so yeah I, mean, I think that as you as you sort of set the scene already andy we're gonna be at a point where i'm gonna start with the personal story um to get back to the beginning There, it's sorted um so be, for anyone that was at the cambridge meetup i spoke at some of the slides and my personal story would be familiar but you know a bit of a bit of a reminder or refresher but um really a lot since i spoke at that last Cambridge event, a lot has happened with me co-founding purple Go and very much that the insights into disabled people and disabled consumers as a very large viable audience for businesses to to reach and to be learning from and and creating products and services for and to include in in advertising and marketing so for those that saw that the first few slides that the second half is is that the newer updated news and some really interesting statistics but i think by sharing my story it just it, it places disability i think there's a lot of history around the narrative of disability and that we think of charity and we think of sympathy and pity and i think a lot of my my work regardless of what business or project i'm involved in it it's really just about trying to change the narrative that, that disability is around talent, it's around value, it's around capability. And I think one powerful way to express this is just through my, my personal story. So as it says, growing up with a disability, um, I was born with spinal muscular atrophy, which sort of sits under muscular dystrophy, which is a bit more commonly known disability. Um, it basically means I'm always in my wheelchair in the daytime and i have to have a thing called a hoist to lift me in and out of the chair i have a care team that help me with all of my daily living tasks so sort of to frame it you know physically i, I am very weak um but as we'll go on to, to share life has not uh got me down and i've done lots of amazing personal achievements and, and you know professional achievements as well but yeah growing up um just very much around sort of navigating that all those elements of independent living and going to school and you know um, going off clubbing and how there were no accessible taxis in Cambridge when I grew up. So I think it's just really key to see those barriers that maybe those that don't know someone with a disability don't always realise that you know there are the health balances, there are these barriers in society. But even so, even though we have to be aware and look to reduce and pull down these barriers so everybody is included um yeah it's it's still not to go down that ah oh, bless them the sort of pity sympathy route and i think that that balance is really key and i think the world as we go forward you know through my journey the world definitely has got far better with um, embracing difference and diversity and you know dni diversity and inclusion has become um a very sort of hot topic but I also want to impress that when we come onto the business side later it really is a, an absolute business opportunity and it's not just social good or corporate social responsibility or PR, it's an absolute opportunity with, within a business bottom line side of things with disability. So yeah one of my defining moments of my story was my operation was um, I was 15 and I was in hospital for about a month and I had to have titanium rods put in my back to hold me sort of more up straight because I was really getting a curvature of the spine but the the relevance of that is that was when I dreamt up all the things that I wanted to go on and do in life it was that adversity and that challenge but a sort of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and I know um, a lot of the things I went on to do I dreamt up during that that challenging time of life so independence and freedom is a very important thing for me. That picture is me driving my adapted car. So I'm in my wheelchair, I get in the car with uh, a ramp that I stay in the wheelchair throughout the process. And as you can see, all those kind of uh, space age controls enabling me to to drive the vehicle. And uh, so it's, it's a metaphor for what I'm about to talk about of independence and freedom, but it's quite literally has been a, a big... Part of my independence and freedom with driving. And so, yeah, my independence has always been built around these four pillars to have the funding and the care team, to have the funding and, and the equipment like my wheelchair and hoist, housing. It's been very difficult trying to find a supply of adapted, accessible housing. But again, thankfully, there are rules and regulations that ensure new houses are built um, to be more inclusive of everybody and transport so when i lived in london the tube is only one third accessible the stations so it was quite tricky to say the least navigating what was my my home city for five years uh, when i was working for the charity scope but yeah again once transport once we look at the barriers once we understand the needs of disabled people then things have been improved and there are workarounds and there are ways to to ensure that transport is, is doable. And so I suppose in a way I've touched upon health, like the operation, I've touched upon independent living, just me being able to, to you know, be empowered and to, to do the things I wanna do by having those inputs, but also inclusion is a big factor. And I've talked already about barriers. So I always say that I have a medical condition called spinal muscular atrophy, but I'm actually disabled by the barriers in society. And those barriers are under three areas. There's the physical environment. So steps disable me. But when there's a ramp or a lift, I'm not disabled because I'm in my wheelchair and I can then enter the building or enter the train. The second type of barrier is attitude. So when people presume that I'm not capable or less capable just because I'm sat in a wheelchair, that disables me. But when people just want to get to know me as Martin and not have any preconceived stereotypes, I'm not disabled anymore. And the third is around policies and procedure, which starts to lean us more into business, that it, you know, if a policy, like a recruitment policy, factors in blind applicants, then you're not disabling that group of people to go for that job. And you'll very often find that you know, there are many people in the blind community that are amazing talent and able to do the job, you know, better than other potential candidates. So we're just having to, like, reframe how these barriers have stopped people being part of the conversation and part of everyday life. But the opportunity when we, uh, when we pull those barriers down is so big for everybody, for, for government, for the economy, for businesses and of course, the the right thing to do. I mean, I, I obviously started on my journey talking about the moral argument, but I think I've learned that the business case of inclusion is where we're getting a lot more action now, whereas it was just a lot more talking and lip service when it was the right thing to do. And I think that that's an important point to make, because I've you know spent 15 years of my career raising awareness. But the business case is really moving things now. And then I've added their self-esteem and confidence and skills and knowledge because of course, disabled people like myself, we have to be able to, to embrace these opportunities, the more opportunities become available. And so there's obviously work to be done around those things within the disabled community, which has been a big part of my, my work and my history as well. So yeah, on a personal level, I've been able because of all those bits I've just talked about to go to Australia, San Francisco, to Barcelona, where I've worked quite a lot to Japan with my fiance Kasha. I've done skiing, adapted skiing in Catalonia. I'm whistling through cause there's a few more slides. I want to make sure we get through, but I think it's just really important to show that's me flying a plane. That's me in a hot air balloon and that's me tree climbing just literally hanging with my 130 kilogram wheelchair from a tree in the new forest, because why not? And in the end, that they were all things I wanted to do for me and my personal growth, my, you know, get out the comfort zone, being a little bit crazy, maybe, but you can imagine a younger disabled person. This is very amazing to have a role model that shows what is possible but it's also what I've learned as I started my blog and we'll come on to giving back now was I started blogging in 2009 on martinsible.com and the audience that I never factored in when I started blogging was that non-disabled people are quite taken by my story and that it, it shows them what's possible. And I think that's also an important point that particularly as marketers, we love, to segment, quite rightly, we, we, I'm, I love segmenting. But when we label, we sometimes create a division. I think publicly, you know, disabled, non-disabled, we're all human. And I think that my personal journey, the power of sharing that is that it connects and it, it, it just brings us all into, we're all people, we all have goals, we all have ambitions. Not everyone will wanna hang in a tree, fine, I get that. But it is really powerful that we have to see disabled people as customers, as employees, as entrepreneurs, not as that group that was more around charity and segregation. And so my blog has achieved some of that social change. Disability Horizons is our media platform. So it's content by the community for the community. I co-founded Accomable, which is, we called it Airbnb for disabled people. We vetted different accommodations around the world to make it easier for disabled travelers to book accommodation and trust that it was gonna do what they needed it to do. And after some grants and angel investment, we sold it to Airbnb, so kind of a happy fairy tale. Uh, You can appreciate what I just said in 10 seconds was not that easy, it was two years of Um, a hell of a lot of work and trials and tribulations, and we could probably make our disabled founders version of the Facebook story one day, but it it actually showed that, you know, disabled entrepreneurs could raise money, and it showed that there was a viable market um, for a product like travel accommodation, and ultimately that Airbnb understood the, the viability of that market as well. So yeah, I've done consultancy for government business charities, and then um, been voted as an influencer um, in the top five list of disabled people. So I'm going to stop that deck there and move it on to, yeah, sort of more what we've been talking about on the business and marketing side. Um, So Purple Go is the agency I co-founded two, three months ago nothing about us without us, our tagline is really important because what we're doing, we're putting disabled influencers at the centre of the conversation, or even more, we're putting disabled consumers at the centre of the conversation but as we'll learn here, the business reason for this is that 22% of the population have a disability which is a lot, I think people don't quite realise the numbers so that's more than 14 million people in the UK and when we look at this graph of uh, 18 to 30 year olds, there's over 9 million. Students, 2.4 million. Vegan, 600,000. And when I started talking to my co-founders at the GOAT agency, and I was saying that i have been on a train ride and every train station there was billboards about vegan burgers, which, you know, it was brilliant. I loved it. We're, we're catering for all different audiences. But then as we come down, we've got the spend. So £250 billion a year in the UK, $8 trillion globally. So the spending power of this market is massive. But just 0.06% of adverts feature disabled people. And when we look at that graph above, you know, it just doesn't add up that brands are catering to, to the 600,000 vegan market, but they're not at all aware of the 14 million in the UK people with a disability so that's what we're essentially trying to to solve on a on a social impact level but I think we're really clear that this is a massive massive business opportunity Um, and as a big thing when COVID kicked in calling disabled people and those with health conditions that were more susceptible to the virus vulnerable now we all get we get the context that vulnerable to the virus, but as marketers, we understand the power of branding, right? So I don't want to be the vulnerable guy. I want to be the guy that, that does all the things we've just talked about before. So it's a big thing about the value and also not the vulnerability. And what we've learned is that disabled people really want to be marketed to in the right way and so why are brands ignoring them or us as someone from the community it's all about brands not knowing how to do it being scared so they'd rather just not act and not take that risk but that's why that's why we've created purple goat is to to give that you know expertise and that insight and that knowledge so i, I don't want to do too much of the specifics of what purple goat is but it's essentially you know The wants and needs of disabled people, and and doing lots of what other marketing and branding agencies do, but where disabled people are at the centre of that conversation. Um, For those that don't know, the GOAT agency are the world's leading social marketing agency. They're global, working with some really, really big brands, there's a few of them there. And what's been really amazing with our partnership is that I've got the global advertising agency of the GOAT wrapped around me but I'm the majority shareholder and the CEO of Purple Goat. So it enables me to build a team of disabled marketers and to really yeah, make this a real thing and work with brands big and small. And we do all the usual things like consultancy research, marketing and media. Um, for anyone that's got questions on influencer marketing, happy to talk through the power of working with influencers for not just amplifying but for creating really rich, powerful content um, and also just around events and around insights that the disabled influencers that we work with are uh, enabling us to do that. but of course, you know separate to disability influencer marketing has becoming a very powerful way of of yeah get doing marketing and social marketing. But working with people that are, you know, able to really drive that from a community, and yet back to that point about nothing about us without us, listen to the community, get real business results, and it's so important that that comes across that it is a business opportunity. It's not another awareness raising or a CSR um, project. It, it's all about improving the bottom line. So that's the end of my slides, and I think we got a few minutes for some questions as well so it's amazing we could get through all of that information and just yeah thank you once again for the opportunity
0: unbelievable thank you so much uh, to both of you I, I, I don't know whether i guess you've both been speaking through but i hope you've been able to uh, also, catch the amount of amazing comments coming your way as well. Uh, both of you have just had so much. Um, a couple even said it's the best webinar they've ever attended. So, wow. uh, that, that's really sweet. So, thank you, uh, both of you, uh, folks. There are a number of open questions here. Um, if you have any, uh, also please get them in the Q and A feature, which is found down the bottom. Uh, you can use the thumbs up feature uh to to get the questions that you want answered uh to the top uh so please do that because we've only got about 10 minutes or so for questions so want to get through them uh, all. andy i'm already recognizing the problem here that you're uh, still muted so uh there we go <laughs> i could wait for the um so uh we've got 10 minutes for questions and and there's there's one here that's very clearly risen to the top uh so we'll start um with the question uh, any tips for uh, LinkedIn research specifically um, and I'm gonna also sort of ask if you could just speak about the opportunity presented by LinkedIn right now um, just in case a few folks are unfamiliar I think if we start with Andy and then Martin I know that you use the platform a lot too so um, go ahead
1: <laughs> yeah uh, how do I answer this concisely so um, LinkedIn are, are pretty Um, stingy when it comes to giving other third parties data Uh, however they have released a new update to their analytics tools um, of which I was going to share we probably don't have any time to do it but if you go into to your page on LinkedIn look at followers and you'll see some new follower metrics it was last week that they released an ability for you to see the precise followers that you've gained within a given week or month because um, that is a fantastic way for you to absolutely see it at a person-by-person level, are you attracting the right audience, which is absolutely critical. Um, No other network offers that level of granularity when you're making sure that you're hitting the right target audience. So perfect way to adjust your strategy. You'd have to do that natively on LinkedIn. Um, For other LinkedIn analytics as well, there's a great tool, which is paid for, uh, but it's called Shield.ai, so Shield Analytics. They're the only one that I'm aware of that have found a way to to get LinkedIn data off it, including from personal profiles, which is a bit of a game changer. So that's really cool. Um, so go check that out. Uh, tell them I sent you, because um, the CEO will be very happy about that. Um, so the the second part of it is uh, just last week LinkedIn released a guide for. Uh, LinkedIn's guide to doing virtual events on the platform because LinkedIn have done so much around events both from like doing the inviting the whole registration process and the delivery of these events through LinkedIn live um, so LinkedIn are going big on this so if you've got a community like Joe has created um, with the marketing meetup um, or not even at that level to be honest with you if you've got a community of more than a thousand people or thousand followers on your Um, on your page you're likely to get LinkedIn live and I think as the attitude for physical events I don't see that changing until next year I would definitely recommend uh, reading that guide if you follow me on LinkedIn um, I'll be posting that guide in about the next 45 minutes so that's my update on that
2: (laughs) well yeah I think for, for me it's been very powerful I do so I use StreamYard to do a daily live stream. So I'm interviewing thought leaders and influencers in the disability world every weekday at noon. And obviously that's a great way of connecting and meeting amazing people. It positions me as a thought leader and connector and all of those sort of um, social proof signals that are really important to to put out to the world. Um, And so Streamyard goes to my Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube it's 40 quid a month for having more than one channel. So that there is a cost if you do more than one, but you could just go um, obviously on LinkedIn and not have to pay anything. And so what I've found is that obviously I'm in a massive business to business push with the agency. So I've connected with, you know, marketing people and I'm, you know, working at disability brands like wheelchair manufacturers, adapted holidays. But also, you know, we're going to be working and we're starting to have really good conversations with tier one brands. Now we're more settled and established. So, for example, I connected with a high up marketing leader, Xbox, because accessible gaming is really a big thing. And after a week of just letting him consume my daily live stream, I then just sent him a message. We've had a couple of calls. Um, They're looking to onboard us and I'm gonna be speaking to all the marketing managers in the EMEA region. And then that's led to talks with Microsoft Teams and LinkedIn themselves. But that's all because of a live stream and just hitting someone up on private messenger on LinkedIn.
0: That's amazing. What a story. <laughs> that's how they do it. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll do it, Martin. I mean, like that's, uh, I, I I just get the sense that I think we were speaking earlier, and even though you sort of uh, described yourself as you know new to the marketing world in, in in a sense in the sense of running an agency specifically, then you're probably one of the world's most natural marketers um, mm-hmm. you know that I've ever met um, There's a good question here from phil actually uh, who's who mentions uh, that much of disability is invisible um, and and of course, that's something we hear a lot about is the invisible disabilities. How do you go about addressing that in your marketing? Or or more specifically, rather than giving a definite answer, how have you gone about uh, addressing invisible disabilities in your marketing?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, this for me is the market. So marketing is a vehicle to change narratives. Seth Godin talks about this all the time. But also Marketing 101 is speak to your audience, understand the needs, make any necessary changes, and then tell that audience that, you're there for them, and you represent them, and you all, all of that stuff we know, but people just forget to do it with disability. So the nothing about us without us is if a charity or a brand want to reach out to people with a hidden disability, that's why we work with influencers. i I haven't got an invisible disability, so I, I would not be the expert, but i we have a massive network of disabled influencers. So we would bring them in both as consultants, but also we would then create content and amplify with people from those communities. And obviously you would segment invisible disabilities down into all sorts of sub segments as well. So it, it it's totally marketing 101 applied to the audience of disabled people
0: wonderful and i think that answers a question from alex uh, kington as well who says uh the same could be applied for race gender sexuality absolutely whatever it may be it sort of yeah. Goes to... yeah
2: and i think like my point about we're all human like this this should just have been part of the marketing strategy of all businesses and brands from day dot but yeah. for all sorts of different cultural political economic reasons there are certain groups and communities that are still fighting for equity in in all sorts of ways and so that's why purple goat is needed to bring disability into the conversation but the goal is that it's just you know it's it's just about communities and that that's the segmentation not this sort of groups of division that we sometimes get from the media
0: i love that thank you so we've got a question from Tom, uh, who uh, directs it specifically, Andy, who says, uh, tools like Keyword.io look good, uh, but he's interested. Uh, why not just use Google Keyword
2: Planner?
1: Yeah, so you could use both same, essentially do the same thing. I like um, Keyword.io because it allows you to kind of organize certain types of keywords and back them, and plus you don't need to create any login or account for it, you just, you just use it. So um, I find it naturally, better but it does the same thing it, they, they pull the same data so um it's yeah all good with me
0: sweet that that's quick and easy answer to yeah. that <laughs> um so something that both you two have done incredibly well um over the course of every interaction i've ever had with you is that you're two of the most um you you individuals that i've ever met Ie, you're very comfortable in your own skin and, and you're happy to put out your content in a way that um represents you as individuals as well rather than just um corporates or companies or whatever it may be now this may be something that you're doing very naturally um but to the the theme of authenticity in in your content do you have any sort of like thought processes that people could sort of Look to take on when thinking. How can I inject a little bit of me into this content rather it, than it just being this sort of standoffish piece of content around the theme of dot dot dot? Um, does that make sense as a question? Um, Sweet, uh, Andy, do you want to go first?
1: Yeah, um, it, it's it's quite a hard question to answer because essentially it's it's uniquely personal. But the the only way I have found of doing it is because I naturally struggled. A lot with self-confidence as I'm sure a lot of people do but just recording me continually it sounds really narcissistic but recording me talking to my phone continually until you just get really comfortable with with yourself and how you sound because you're the one that judges you more than any others so if you start to think nah, okay I'm just used to how I sound how my teeth are wonky and once I get used to all of that stuff I'm like you know, it's, it's fine because I've seen myself so much because I've just been looking at it on the phone. I've kind of honed that. And in terms of like being authentic, you know, my people often commented that I'm just full of energy and positive and happy. So then that's all I need to be in my, in my content really. So I'm just continually smile because there's enough miserable people. So, um, and I like, you call me the huggiest man in social media. So I've lent into that. So, um...
0: <laughs> I've branded you, sorry.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, Martin?
2: Yeah, so sort of building on from what Andy said, because I agree with everything there. I, mean, I think for me, it's always been more about the mission of like knowing other disabled people, particularly younger disabled people needed someone like me to step forward and share that personal story. And as we discussed earlier, for the rest of the world to see a different narrative of disability, so as much as I used to be sick before speaking on stage in my early 20s, and I, you know, when I did start my blog, it was horrible writing about my life and videoing, making vlogs on my YouTube about what I got up to, but the reason I overcame that was, there was some bigger need for this. Um, It wasn't about me, it was about the cause, um, and then yeah the practice makes perfect and the more you do it the, the more it just becomes more natural but I, I think there's so many theories and philosophies and um, you know it's, it's good to have the the steps of a plan to, to share with people but I think like with, with Andy's talk earlier like still creates that personal narrative around those steps and I think that's that's what makes us all unique it's that yeah, unique proposition is us as individuals. So if you don't lean into that, you are more vanilla. So there's a business benefit to being different and authentic to unique.
0: Absolutely. Fabulous. Well, okay. So it's uh 9 31 and I'm seeing a few folks saying they'll have to go. So I think we're gonna respect people's times in that way. But you know what, chaps, this has been incredible in, in so many ways. we've had the tactical elements, we've had strategy and like just like I'm going to be buzzing for the rest of the day from the inspiration provided too. So honestly, thank you so much for, uh, being part of this, like uh, the gratitude and we'll just keep on gushing. So, uh, I'm, I'm going to stop there, but no, uh, how, how grateful I am. Um, and likewise, uh, thank you to everyone who's been here today. Um, season two has started off with a bang and, and I couldn't be more proud. Um, so thank you all for being here. Um, last thing from me is that you will have the follow-up email come out um, saying thank you for being there, also with the recording of the podcast for the blog. Um, in there, there is also the link to all the sponsors. Please do take the time to check them out and uh, and thank them. Uh, Content Cal is among them and there is also a, a code uh, that you can use uh, with Content Cal uh, through the marketing meetup. Uh, so do check them out if you'd like to. So uh, that being said, Session one, done. Uh, thank you all. Uh, I love you all very, very much. And uh, I look forward to either seeing you at Conversation Club on Friday or for the webinar uh, next Tuesday. Take care of yourself and, and thank you all. Take care.
2: See so you yeah, guys. Okay. Bye-bye. Cheers.